0: if we know what a woman's personal pattern is, then we can personalize a treatment to make sure that she's getting the right things in order to bring her hormones back into balance because it's all about balance. So a lot of practitioners don't, a lot of doctors don't measure hormone levels. If you go in and ask to have your hormone levels measured, sometimes it's super frustrating and the doctor will just say, no, we don't do that. And it's because... Traditionally, when doctors have prescribed hormone replacement therapy, we've been giving women drugs. They're synthetic chemicals, they're man made, they're never found in the human body. And so once you're on this kind of hormone replacement, we can't do levels to see if you're on the right dose. And it's sort of just not done to measure the hormones in the first place.
1: Welcome to This Functional Life, a show for women just like you. Who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, purpose? We're gonna deconstruct norms, uncover your deepest desires, harness your physical and mental health, and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what you want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, Part Geek heart magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking complex science and making it easy to understand and integrate into daily life. Join the journey to make this chapter the best ever. Let's get driving. So women in this time of life, this season, you know, the season 40s and up, we obviously experience a lot of changes that are happening because our hormones are changing. Most people consider the hormone change that one day when you go through menopause. And menopause is one day one year after the last time you had a period. But the truth is is there's at least a decade, if not in some cases almost two decades of changes that are happening in the body that is the shift in hormones that bring us all the way to the culmination of menopause. And for a lot of women, those changes lead to things like low libido, mood changes, anxiety, depression, hair loss, loss of interest in just life itself, irritability, brain fog, weight gain, and the list goes on and on and on. So my next guest, Dr. Deborah Matthews, or Dr. Deb, is the Happy Hormones Doctor. She is a best-selling author, international speaker, educator, wife, and mom of four boys, After suffering for years with fatigue and irritability due to hormonal imbalance that for her started fairly young, her quest to resolve her personal health led her to change everything about her practice of medicine. She has been featured on national podcasts, radio, broadcast shows, including NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox. So everybody, please welcome Dr. Deb, the Happy Hormones Doctor. Well, welcome Dr. Deb Matthews to This Functional Life. I'm excited about our topic today because you and I love to talk to our subject matter, women like us in this season of life. So give me a little bit of background. I think we learn particularly as women when we hear other people's stories. So tell me your story because we all have a storied past on how we got here.
0: Yeah. Well, my story is that I was exhausted all the time. My favorite hobby was napping. I was freezing cold all the time. I would take a sweater everywhere with me, even in the summer in North Carolina, because the air-conditioned restaurants and movie theaters would just make me shiver uncontrollably. And, you know, we didn't have back in the day, you know, those big walk-in refrigerator sections like at Costco and Sam's Club. I would have never made it out of there with my blueberries alive. I would have perished and you would have had to step over my frozen body on the floor. I was so cold all the time. I also started to get really irritable and I would just lose it at my kids over the stupidest little thing. And I just felt so guilty, like the worst mom ever. And the thing about all this is, I didn't understand why this was happening to me. Nothing that they taught me at medical school explained what was happening. I knew it was not normal, but my blood tests looked okay, so it was really confusing. And eventually, what happened is my husband, who is really honestly the one who had to put up with me, he found a book that was written by Suzanne Somers, and it was about women's hormones. And when he looked at you know those bullet points on the back of the book, he went, mm, yep, yep, yep. And so, he gave me a copy of the book and suggested that maybe I would want to read it, which you got to admit, that's a pretty brave thing, right, for him to suggest. And you know that as medical providers, we don't want to get our information from celebrities. And so, I did not want to read that book. But I knew that I had to do something like this wasn't didn't feel right and I didn't know what else to do. So I read the book and really that book changed everything for me because once I read about the women in the book and how they felt when their hormones were out of whack and how much better they felt when they got their hormones in balance, everything suddenly made sense. And now that my mind was opened, I was able to realize that there are other ways of approaching our health. There are other places that practitioners can go to learn things that we weren't taught in medical school. And what I realized is that my hypothyroidism, I knew that I was hypothyroid. I'd already been on Synthroid, which is a standard medicine for 10 years at this point. And my thyroid tests were normal. But the medicine that I was being given was making my lab tests look normal, but it wasn't making me feel normal. And that's why I was always tired and cold all the time. And I was in my late 30s at this point. So I'm not thinking about menopause in my 30s, but my female hormones were starting to shift. And that's what was making me so irritable. I was even waking up in the middle of the night with panic attacks for no reason. So once I understood, I was able to get my hormones back in balance and I got my energy back. My kids got their mom back. My husband got his wife back and I got my life back. But I couldn't go back to just writing prescriptions all the time because that didn't make sense anymore. So I fully retired and I retrained. And now for the last 15 years, I've been helping men and women get their hormones back in balance so that they can get their life back and feel like themselves again.
1: You know, it's so frustrating because I I know that in your clinic and in my clinic, we have women that come in every day. And it's just like never ending battle to even get somebody to treat the person, not the lab. Yeah. (laughs) Looking back. I had
0: symptoms of low thyroid for about 10 years before I ever got diagnosed. In medical school, they kept looking at my neck like the doctors that I would be training with. They say, oh, your, your thyroid is enlarged. You should go get that checked. But it was always normal. So it took 10 years to actually get diagnosed. And then they put me on the Synthroid, and I was on it for another 10 years. I felt no better. So it really, probably I had symptoms for 20 years before finally I got my life back again. So I want other women to know that if you don't feel normal, like there's something wrong. And if your doctor's not really taking you seriously, you don't give up because it's possible to feel like yourself again.
1: Yeah, it is. It is a kind of travesty. And I think, I mean, I'm going to say this and men may disagree with me, but I think as women, you know, doctors will cite studies, usually 30, 40, 50 years old. And most of the studies didn't even contain women until the 90s because those pesky hormones of ours kind of messed up the the research data. And so women were excluded, right? And dismissed. And let's face it, medicine up until the last couple of decades has been largely male. And so our voices have been blunted, you know? And so I think a lot of times it goes from you're tired and wired and can't sleep and irritable and bitchy, and it must be a mental problem. So you need an antidepressant yes or if you can't
0: lose weight it's cuz you're lazy and you're not exercising it's not your thyroid right it's it's frustrating and and i talk to women every day who feel so dismissed and so just frustrated and hopeless and they just feel like they're not being heard and you know they're told right it's just your age it's just that season of your life but you know we know when we don't feel right and i don't think women should put up with it we should keep looking for answers
1: Right. Well, and you brought up another point. So obviously thyroid is a big problem and getting that, you know, medication to what you're doing, to the lifestyle, all of that is, is a nuance and a dance and, and definitely not, you know, cookie cutter that you can give everybody the same prescription. It's just like, done. But you brought up another point that everybody thinks about menopause, right? Like, oh, everything that bad that happens in a woman's hormonal life happens at menopause, which is a single day in our life. But those changes can happen in our 30s. It happened to me. I had the same thing. I was like, what is happening?
0: You know? Yeah, And it's it's so confusing because we just don't feel like ourselves. And so some of the words that women use to describe how they feel is they just feel emotional. Like all of a sudden they're crying at silly little things. And sometimes they'll like be crying sitting in front of me saying, I don't even know why I'm crying right now, but the tears are coming and we're handing over the Kleenex. Or they just feel flat, like they're putting one foot in front of the other, they're making their way through their day. If something has to happen today, we'll make it happen. But they've lost that, that zip in their step, You know that passion for life. They just feel flat. Or they feel so on edge, like just so irritated. Like little things just set them off. So I have a theory, completely unscientific and unproven, but a lot of these karens that we see misbehaving out there tends to be women in their 40s. And I'm just saying, I think maybe they should
1: get their hormones checked cuz we just lose it over stupid crap. Oh yeah, I remember, you know, so my my hormone stuff, my thyroid showed up in my probably early 20s, diagnosed in my 30s. But I remember, you know, starting to get hormonal acne in my late 30s and I had, you know, was already opened my clinic. And I remember the women that were maybe a decade older than I was talking to me. And they're like, No, one day you're just going to look at your husband and you're going to want to kill him simultaneously and cry about it. And my husband, anybody that's ever met him, he's a saint. I mean, he does all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the dog walking, all the laundry. And I remember standing in the kitchen one day watching him and he's got his back turned, me, turned to me. He's making me dinner. And what's going through me is sheer anger disdain. I mean, it was all these emotions and I'm looking at him and I've got this dirty look on my face, you know, and he turns around to look at me and he's like, what? And I catch myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what they were talking about. He's done nothing, but I can't even be in the room with him because I am so just bent and it's just not me. But I think women go through that and they think they're losing their mind. Yeah, I have
0: a similar story is my husband took me out for dinner on our 10th anniversary. And we're in this lovely restaurant. We're enjoying a lovely meal. You know, we're enjoying a glass of wine. And I just sort of looked over at him and thought, why am I married to this baboon? Like, what was I thinking? And you know, he didn't do anything. He's this great guy. The same thing, right? He's taking me out for dinner. But like our our brains just kind of go funny places. And half of your brain knows this isn't rational.
1: And the other half of the brain is going like, I want to stab him with a fork. I think women need to embrace that, that deep feeling that we have, that sort of inner knowing and and intuition that I'm not going crazy. What's going on in my body is true. And it is different than what the doctors and everybody else is telling me. And that I need help here that that intuition is absolutely right. Yeah. One of the
0: challenges that we have is when we feel that way, we're not exactly sick, right? Like we're quote unquote healthy but we don't feel good. And so if we had a disease, if there was a drug to treat that, then they would fix us because that's how it works in medicine. But but it's not a disease. It's just a normal human experience. It's just kind of off kilter a little bit. And so when our hormones are out of balance and we don't feel good, there's no medicine for that. And I mean, we use medicines, right? We give sleeping pills, antidepressants, anxiety pills, birth control pills, But those pills are kind of putting a Band-Aid on the symptom, and they're not really fixing the underlying problem. And the truth is, if the underlying problem is a hormone imbalance, they're not really going to work all that well a lot of the times anyway. And if we could just get hormones balanced again, we would feel fine. We wouldn't need the medicines. And antidepressants, I just talked to somebody today, and this is such a common story. So she was having PMS symptoms and... They put her on an antidepressant and now she's gained weight and lost her sex drive. So now she's feeling depressed. And, you know, like, what was
1: the point there? Yeah. If we if we could just help her with her PMS symptoms, she wouldn't have needed it. You know, it all comes down to the woman's health study, which should never be quoted again on this planet. <laughs> Redacted, removed, never done again. Because hormone replacement has been around for decades. Yeah, decades since the like, 1930s. Yeah. And so... You know, we threw the baby out with the bathwater based on a poorly designed and poorly executed study, and we caused undue suffering in lots and lots of women. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your mindset on how to replace hormones, particularly what types of hormones and how, you know, how you make those decisions. I believe
0: that we all deserve balanced hormones. I don't believe that we need to state that every woman needs to be on hormone replacement therapy. I think this is a personal decision. And there's, you know, we need to talk about all the pros and cons. And this is something that women should be able to have a whole discussion with their doctor about so that they can feel comfortable. Having said that, I feel like women are fearful of hormones way out of proportion. If we start talking, first of all, about women who are within 10 years of menopause, so, you know, women basically in our 50s, in that case, the benefits of hormone replacement therapy far outweigh the risks, And that's agreed upon that the gynecologists, I mean, not all gynecologists or not all doctors are up to date on the latest information and studies, but the latest information and studies and and the organizations that tell doctors, you know, what the policy statements are, all pretty much agree that for the average woman within 10 years of menopause, the benefits of hormone replacement therapy significantly outweigh the risks. But What I believe that we should do is we should be measuring hormones first to see, we all have a unique hormonal pattern. Some women are low in estrogen and progesterone after menopause. Some women can still make some estrogen. Sometimes it's because they're overweight and our body fat makes estrogen. Sometimes it's because their adrenal glands are really healthy. They're making a lot of DHEA, which is a precursor hormone to estrogen. So they can still make estrogen even when their ovaries aren't doing a good job. Some women still make a pretty decent amount of testosterone, even after menopause, and we can use testosterone to make some estrogen. Some women don't have testosterone. And if all we give them is just estrogen, and we don't also give them testosterone, we miss some of the picture here. So we need to know a woman's personal pattern. And when I'm measuring hormones, I like to look at estrogen and progesterone. Those are our two sex hormones that go up and down with our menstrual cycle and testosterone and DHEA, which is that precursor hormone. It's an anti-aging hormone and cortisol. Because cortisol, which is our stress hormone, it regulates all the other hormones. And so if cortisol is out of kilter, if it's too high or too low, that impacts the other hormones. So if all we do is give somebody a prescription for estrogen, say, oh, you're menopausal, here's your estrogen, see you next year, we miss so much of the nuances. And so if we know what a woman's personal pattern is, then we can personalize the treatment to make sure that she's getting the right things in order to bring her hormones back into balance, because it's all about balance. So a lot of practitioners don't... A lot of doctors don't measure hormone levels. If you go in and ask to have your hormone levels measured, sometimes it's super frustrating and the doctor will just say, no, we don't do that. And it's because traditionally, when doctors have prescribed hormone replacement therapy, we've been giving women drugs. They're synthetic chemicals. They're man-made. They're never found in the human body. And so once you're on this kind of hormone replacement, we can't do levels to see if you're on the right dose. And it's sort of just not done to measure the hormones in the first place. But I believe that we should start off by measuring hormones. And then we should be customizing what you need so that we're bringing you back into balance. And another really important thing is. Hormone replacement therapy, if somebody chooses to do that, is the icing on the cake. What has to happen first is we need to put the hormones in a healthy body. So we need good nutrition. We need to be managing stress in a healthy way. We need to be making sure that you're not full of toxins and very inflamed because it's not the hormones themselves specifically to cause the problems, it's putting the hormones in a healthy body where you don't process the hormones in a healthy way. So, it really needs to be a holistic approach and not just a prescription. But if we did decide to do hormone replacement therapy, the hormones should be bio-identical, which means that the hormones are an exact match for the hormones that our body made. And at least in theory, your body shouldn't tell the difference between whether it came from your ovaries or whether it came from the pharmacy. That's the definition of bioidentical. So it's just the natural form of hormones. So we can measure these levels and see if we've given you the right dose and if things are in balance, um, because these are supposed to be in your body. And sometimes we can get the, the bioidentical hormones from your regular pharmacy, you know, just with a regular prescription. And sometimes we get them from a specialty pharmacy that will personalize the prescription for you. But either way, it's important that the hormones are bioidentical. And if you go into your doctor to say, I'm interested to try some bioidentical hormones, a lot of conventional doctors don't know which of the hormone prescriptions are bioidentical and which are synthetic. And so sometimes it's a confusing conversation for women. And so I guess what I would say is it's kind of common sense to use bioidentical hormones instead of the synthetic drugs. That's not a big ask, right? And so if you were to say that to your doctor and your doctor poo-pooed it or said they weren't proven or sort of gave you pushback, that's kind of a big red flag that that probably isn't the right doctor for you to be working with for your hormone replacement therapy. And you might want to find somebody else who's more interested and willing to have a conversation and really talk about the issues and really take a whole person approach.
1: I think it's kind of crazy when you think about it, when we know that we have all of these hormones that interact with each other, right? We have progesterone, we have our estrogens, we have DHGA and even pregnenolone above that. But the cookbook of standard medicine is if you get, other than a birth control, any kind of hormone replacement, we're just going to give you a single one, estradiol, or you know, a synthetic estrogen. And that's it. Ignoring the fact that up until basically menopause or the slight couple of years before that, your stuff was relatively balanced within the cycle it had each month, right? And then we just ignore it and we're like, "Okay, one shot done, because I can do that in five minutes and write the prescription, which is just insane, which leads to a greater risk because those hormones should be in balance. Talk a little bit about that.
0: And so I want to talk about birth control pills, too. So a lot of doctors feel super comfortable prescribing birth control pills, right? Do it all the time. No big deal. And yet they feel super uncomfortable prescribing hormone replacement therapy. So even if we talk about the synthetic kind of hormone replacement therapy, which is not what I would recommend, it's still basically like a super low dose birth control pill. So they're comfortable prescribing the higher doses of synthetic hormones for your whole life for like, you know, 30 years, but yet they feel uncomfortable giving women hormone replacement therapy. But for a woman who is in this kind of perimenopausal time in her life, you know, between 35 and, you know, 55-ish as as our hormones, because our hormones kind of fade out, just like when we go through puberty, things kind of fade in over a period of time. So this perimenopausal time can sometimes last for like 15 years. I mean, it can start young and it can last. So often during that time, women have menstrual problems and a lot of bleeding and, you know, irregular periods and heavy periods. And so we end up giving them ablations where they treat the lining of the uterus to stop the bleeding or hysterectomies or birth control pills. But the problem with birth control pills, apart from the fact that they're not bioidentical, they're synthetic chemicals, is they increase the risk for blood clots. Anytime we take um, an estrogen and a synthetic version of progesterone as a pill, it can increase our risk for a blood clot. So, what I often find is women who are, you know, in their late forties and going towards fifty, their doctor suggests they just stay on their birth control pill so that they'll have a smooth ride through menopause. But it kind of doesn't really make sense to me. And there's an, you know, the older we get, the greater our risk for a blood clot. So being on birth control pills when you're nineteen, like that's kind of one thing, which is a whole other topic. But you know, by the time you're forty-nine, it's probably not the best choice
1: yeah, I would agree. Just doesn't quite make sense for for that reason for sure. And then the oral estrogen has to get first passed through the liver, and you've got the whole liver's got more to now detoxify and biotransform. just not an ideal situation. So let's talk about um, bioidentical hormones because there's different ways to apply it, right? There's different yeah. ways to put them in. Yeah, we've got lots of options
0: with bioidentical hormones. They can come as a topical cream or a topical gel. And it can be applied to the back of your arm or the inside of your thighs. How I really like to use the topical gels for my patients is actually on the outer part of the vagina, like the inner labia. And the reason is that mucous membrane skin soaks in the hormones even better than like the regular skin on our arm or our leg. So that's one way to do it. We can get the hormones as a pill. And for estrogen, it's not the greatest choice because of how it impacts our liver. and impacts detoxification and blood clotting. But for progesterone, using it as a capsule is an option with the bioidentical form of progesterone. So when we swallow progesterone as a capsule, it still does impact our liver. But in this case, it does a good thing, which is that it helps the progesterone to get to the brain more so than if we use it as the topical cream. And that's very calming. So it's great to help us sleep soundly through the night so we don't wake up in the middle of the night um, or have hot flashes and night sweats in the middle of the night. It helps a lot with anxiety. It helps us to just feel relaxed and chilled out as opposed to feeling irritable and anxious and and, unhappy with our husbands for absolutely no apparent reason. Husbands really like progesterone. But so progesterone can be topical. It can be oral. Testosterone can be topical. It's not such a great choice orally. Estrogen comes as a patch and estrogen patches. They come from the regular pharmacy but they are bioidentical, And so those are a good choice for women. Hormones can come as pellets. So for testosterone and for estrogen, a pellet looks like a little tic-tac and we numb the skin on the back of your hip. We make a little teeny weeny incision and the pellets go under your skin and then it slowly dissolves over the next three or four months. So we get nice stable levels. That's not the best choice for everybody. There's kind of pros and cons to all of these different options, but it's an option out there that's quite popular with a lot of women. There's topical sprays that you can spray. There's lozenges that dissolve under your tongue. There's all sorts of different ways that we can do it. But the important thing is we have choices. So for some women, one option works better than another. Sometimes we can combine things, which just makes for convenience. And so it's nice to know that there are a lot of different ways to do it. And so it's good that we can find something that fits best with with a woman's personal preference and with her personal, you know, health history and her results that she's looking for. So lots of ways we can do it.
1: The first question I know I always get asked about bioidentical hormones is everybody's been terrified because they think if they touch a hormone after menopause that they're going to instantly have breast cancer, ovarian cancer, or cervical cancer. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's not that there isn't a concern, but there is scare tactics here that I think have gone way beyond yeah. reality. Yeah.
0: So it's typically estrogen that that is the one that is feared. Cervical cancer is not hormonally driven. So that's not one that we have to worry about. When we first started doing hormone replacement, we gave women really big doses of estrogen and that can cause uterine cancer. So we, we don't want to go overboard on the estrogen and we want to make sure that we also use progesterone because the progesterone protects the uterine lining from uterine cancer. So the problem that we have with breast cancer is let me go back in the story just a little bit. When I went to medical school in the 90s, I was taught that all menopausal women should go on hormone replacement therapy for their own good. It was very paternalistic. If you didn't take your hormone replacement therapy, we called you a non-compliant patient and we weren't happy with you. And it's because we thought that giving every woman hormone replacement was going to protect their heart, their brain, and their bones. And we gave everybody the same pill. So I guess we had two versions. We had one pill that had estrogen with the drug form of progesterone in it to protect your uterine lining. And then if you'd had a hysterectomy, we had a pill that had only estrogen, but everybody basically got the same things, same dose. And for some women, it was way too much and they felt terrible and they didn't want to take it. And for other women, it wasn't really enough. It didn't really help them, but, but it was kind of a one size fits all approach. And A huge study was done, that one that we don't want to talk about anymore because we don't like it, the Women's Health Initiative study. And the whole point was to prove how these hormones were going to do all these wonderful things for women. And what we found was, oops, there was an increase in the risk for breast cancer. And that made all over the news and gynecologists' phones were ringing all over the country and everybody's panicking. Women are panicking. Doctors are panicking. Everybody's panicking. So it was 20 years ago. It was 2002. So it was 20 years ago. And what we've learned in the meantime is, first of all, the increase in the risk for breast cancer was only in the group of women who got the pill with the estrogen and the synthetic drug form of progesterone. For the group of women who just got plain old estrogen, they did not have an increase in the risk for breast cancer. So it was the drug form of progesterone that was the culprit. And when we look at other similar studies, what we see is, If we say that women who are not on any kind of hormone replacement have a certain risk for breast cancer, if they're on estrogen all by itself, there's a tiny little increase in the risk for breast cancer that we can't even prove is more than just chance alone. It's not statistically significant. If we give women estrogen with the drug form of progesterone, there is a slight increase in the risk for breast cancer. And if we give estrogen with the natural bioidentical form of progesterone, there is no increase in the risk. It's as though they weren't on hormone replacement therapy at all. In fact, some studies go farther than that. There are studies out of Finland, because in in the Scandinavian countries, they have socialized medicine and they give their patients hormones and they use bioidentical hormones over there. It's only really here that we're so tied to the pharmaceutical ones. But they can follow women's records because they have socialized medicine. So they can go back and they can look at all these women. And they can see that the women who were on hormone replacement therapy had less heart disease, less dementia, they lived longer, and they had less breast cancer, not more breast cancer, they had less breast cancer. So here, we're so driven by fear of breast cancer, that women are missing the benefits of the hormones. And we know, even from that Women's Health Initiative study that we don't like, that Yes, there was a slight increase in breast cancer in that one group of women who got that certain kind of pill, but there was less colon cancer, there was less osteoporosis, uh, there was less hip fractures. And so all in all, when we crunched the numbers, you were less likely to die if you were on hormones than if you were not, even the breast cancer risk withstanding. But that's not the message that women got. Women got the message, hormones, breast cancer, danger, ah, And so back in 2009, like that's already a long time ago, in 2009, they crunched some numbers and they found that they estimated that 90,000 women died because they stopped their hormone replacement because of this Women's Health Initiative trial and they missed out on all of those benefits. So I don't know what that number would be now, but doctors are changing their tune. More and more doctors have gotten with the program. They understand that the benefits of hormones. Are very significant. We can use better forms of the hormones. We don't always have to use the pill form of the, of the estrogen. We've got options. And there's so much that we can do. And on kind of one more thought here before I, I kind of let you get a word in edgewise, one thing that was never studied is kind of quality of life. Like, do you get along with your husband or are you always in a fight because you're in a pissy mood, right? Or can you sleep soundly at night so that you can think straight the next day? Does it hurt to have sex? It shouldn't have to hurt. So there are actually two things. The FDA, like everybody sort of agrees that true, true benefits of hormone replacement therapy. One is osteoporosis because bone loss is not because you have a Fosamax deficiency or a Prolia deficiency or one of those ones that you see on TV. It's a hormone deficiency. And then the other is what's called genitourinary syndrome of menopause, which is when you get the vaginal dryness and sex hurts and you leak urine. And these things are things that are imminently fixable. You don't have to put up with feeling that way. And so these quality of life things, those things are hard to measure. It's easy to count how many women had a heart attack or how many women
1: got diagnosed with breast cancer, but there's so much more to us. I work with a lot of women with osteoporosis. I've One of my areas of specialty and, you know, just talking to them, all of them were in this group, you know, that hormones were left off the table and now they have extraordinary osteoporosis and are at risk of fracture. And then looking at taking medications that are seriously, potentially damaging when the ultimate problem was they could have been protected by having some healthy hormone replacement and probably had a much better quality of life, like you said. It's a a big disservice. And I know, I think it was last year and the year before, there was a couple kind of large um, retrospective studies looking at hormone replacement and particularly androgen replacement in women also being protective. Because that's another thing. It was like, oh, you're a girl. You don't have any testosterone in you. Like, couldn't have any of that. You'll be a little man, (laughs) you know. And it's just, uh, I think it's just, it's, it's it's a sad affair when we have to fight so hard for our own health. It really, really is. So let's talk about that because you talked. So you talked a little bit about, you know, the urinal, vaginal, yeah, kind of byproducts of menopause, but there's treatments for that too. Like we call jumping jacks, bladder jacks. (laughs) Yeah.
0: When you're over 50, you're like, be careful. (laughs) Yeah. You got to pee first before you get started, right? Right. So. You know, when we talk about like what is natural and what is a human experience, so sort of naturally, as we get older, like we need reading glasses, right? And so your doctor doesn't say, okay, well, you're getting older, this change in your vision, you know, having to hold the piece of paper like this to see it, that's natural. You're just going to have to live with it. What they say is, yes, your eyes are changing with your age. Here's some reading glasses so that you can see the page and continue to live a vibrant life. So, with hormones, I sort of feel it's the same way. We don't need to tell every woman she has to go on hormone replacement therapy for her own good. But if women are having symptoms, you certainly don't need to suffer. And so it is a very common experience to experience vaginal dryness, lose interest in sex. It's it, you know difficult to become aroused, difficult to have an orgasm. It's just not the same kind of experience. And it's really not uncommon for it to be downright painful. I've had women say, it feels like somebody's sticking a cactus inside me, or it's just burning like it's on fire. I mean, and that's not normal. So the hormones just help to plump up the tissues because naturally without hormones, the tissues of the vagina become very thin and delicate. They can tear. And so hormones keep the areas plump and juicy. They just, they keep elasticity. And so it's, it's just a much better experience. They help to protect from urinary leakage and urinary tract infections, which become more common as we get older. But for some women, either the hormones don't completely answer all of the problems, or there may be reasons why a woman either chooses not to or is not a candidate for hormone replacement therapy. But there are other things that we can do. And I really want for women to know this because I think this is something, I mean, women kind of know something about hormone replacement therapy, even if everybody doesn't have all the details. But these are things that most women have no idea. So we have non-hormonal treatments that we can do to really help with these things. They help with improving sensitivity, improving lubrication, reducing urinary incontinence or leakage if you do your jumping jacks. And also, um, for some of these treatments, they sort of tone and tighten the inside of the vaginal lining, which just allows for more sensation for women. So, one of these treatments is vaginal laser rejuvenation. And there's different kinds. There's different brands of lasers, different treatments. But what it does is it treats the inside lining of the vagina in order to make healthier tissues. Um, The one that we have in my office really tones and tightens the inside and the outside um, just to improve, you know, how things appear. You know, sometimes women find that like thong underwear and things like that get stuck if their labia are larger because of, you know, age and gaining weight and those kinds of things. So it can help a lot with those things. Helps improve lubrication, helps reduce the vaginal um, leakage. So lasers are one way to do it. Another way is we can use a treatment called PRP or platelet-rich plasma. And this is where we draw your very own blood and we separate out the growth factors that are in your own blood. And then we do an injection, One, we numb it so it sounds way worse than it is, but a tiny little injection in the roof of the vagina right underneath the urethra, which is where you pee, and another little tiny injection right into the clitoris. And the PRP, your very own growth factors activate the stem cells that already live in your tissues, and those stem cells start to repair and rejuvenate and regenerate tissue so that you get more blood vessels and nerve endings and collagen fibers. And so it's true anti-aging. It's regenerative medicine. We're turning back the clock. And I really like it because these treatments are harnessing your body's own ability to heal. So we're not giving you drugs. We're just regenerating your tissues. And then the third treatment that we can use is called acoustic wave therapy. And acoustic wave therapy uses sound waves. And so we treat the inside of the vagina and the outside area with, I don't know, it almost looks like a little gun, but it's shooting out sound waves. And so these sound waves create little tiny micro injuries inside the blood vessels. And it's really not uncomfortable. It sounds bad, but it's really not uncomfortable but these sound waves trigger the healing process and again they help with sensitivity and lubrication and urinary stress incontinence so again harnessing our own body's natural ability to heal and we can sort of layer these different treatments so you can have some hormone replacement therapy you can have you know one or two of these other treatments and it really makes a big difference so i told you already like my story kind of really got rolling with Suzanne Summers And Suzanne Summers is in her mid-70s. Her husband is in his 80s. And she goes on all the national talk shows and tells us all about her great sex life that she's still having, you know, when they're in their 70s and their 80s. So just because a woman hits a certain age, it doesn't mean that everything kind of goes downhill from there. And so there's options, things that you can do in order to still stay young and healthy and not have to live with pain and, you know, live with lack of intimacy in a relationship because it hurts.
1: Yeah, we're both really passionate about the second season of life. And it's like, wait a minute, we're getting robbed. In many cases, our kids are either leaving the house or have already left the house. We're probably in the best financial situation we've probably been in because the kids have finally (laughs) (laughs) left the house. Right. And now you're and if you're not doing some of these things, all the things that make life enjoyable and particularly the intimacy side, if you're not taking care of your vaginal tissues and your hormones and things like that. Like it becomes that piece is kind of like flat. And, you know, I, I don't think I really
0: appreciated how big of an issue incontinence is. But, you know, it turns out that that's one of the biggest factors that, and pe- like that land women in personal care homes, because even if families are willing to take care of their parent, even if they're starting to become a little bit, you know, have a little bit of memory problems or dementia or whatever. If they can't hold their urine, that creates a huge laundry problem. Like it's really, really difficult. And sometimes that's the last straw that families can manage and they have to send their loved one off to a personal care home. So, you know, we're so used to walking down the grocery store aisle and we see all those, you know, Depends and all those incontinence products and there are options. And the trick is though, while it's a milder problem, that's the time that we can rejuvenate, regenerate, and we can fix things. By the time it's like a really big full blown problem, then kind of the only option is surgery. So, you know, even if it's not that big of a deal, even if it's just, you know, when you go for a jog, you kind of have to wear panty liners or something like that. It's still, there's things that we can do now to help dial back the clock so that it doesn't get to that point. And and I want to just make one more point here. So you talked about like women in our second season and our kids are leaving home, et cetera. But this also tends to be the time when we're peaking in our careers. And all the time I talk to women who are, you know, they own a business or they're, you know, worked their way up in the bank or, or you know, whatever they're doing, they, they have so much that they've learned. They've got so much wisdom. They've got so much to give back but they can't remember things. And like, there's just not enough sticky notes and they're like, they can't focus. They're like, just not at their peak. And first of all, it's scary, right? Because the first thing you think about is this is the first sign of Alzheimer's. But a lot of times when our hormones start to sink, we lose our motivation, our competitive drive, our memory goes like all of
1: these are things that just, they keep us from being at the peak of our career. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, There was actually a physician here in the Dallas area that was Doing studies looking at injecting estrogen into the brain of like traumatic brain injury because it was so protective, they could preserve tissue even in like horrible car accidents. So, you know, when a woman's brain has been bathed with that hormone for forever and then all of a sudden it takes a cliff dive one day, our brain's gonna feel it.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you my little personal story here. So, I've been working with bioidentical hormones for 15 years. So, this year I turned 54 and December, so a few months ago, I started on estrogen replacement therapy, right? It's my turn now. And my night sweats immediately went away. Within three days, I was sleeping soundly through the night. I sort of expected that. What I hadn't expected is how my brain suddenly woke up. And, you know, it had been such a gradual thing that I didn't really recognize what was happening in in that area. And I would look at my staff. They would come to me like at three o'clock in the afternoon and they're peppering me with questions and they want answers. And I found myself saying like, I hear what you're saying, but nothing is happening in between my ears. And once I got on estrogen, all of a sudden, my brain is working again. And so just about a week ago, I caught myself saying that again to one of my team members. Like, I hear what you're saying, but nothing's happening between my ears. I just can't process. And I realized, oh, I forgot to go pick up my estrogen. I'd been off it for six days. And all of a sudden, I could tell a huge difference than how my brain was thinking. So it's really dramatic when you see the difference but when you don't appreciate what's happening it's subtle and you know you might not even notice and you might not know how much better
1: things could be no i agree i agree well this has been an awesome conversation now you've got something you want to share with my listeners you want to tell them about that sure so i wrote a book for women about hormones and it's called
0: this is not normal a busy woman's guide to symptoms of hormone imbalance and the book is pretty short. It's got lots of quizzes. So you can kind of do these little quizzes to see, could it be an estrogen problem? Do you, Could you have low testosterone? You know, is it your cortisol so that you can get an idea? But it also talks about how to talk to your doctor, like what to say, how to find a doctor who's willing to talk to you. So how to find some answers and really figure things out so that you can live your life to the fullest. And you can download a free copy. At
1: isityourhormones.com. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes for everybody. So we'll have that as well. Well, Dr. Deb, thank you. Thank you so much. So I hope the women listening feel a little more comfortable, feel a little bit more armed with the right information about what to do with bioidentical hormones and maybe what symptoms they've been having and maybe accepting that was part of aging and it is something that could change. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this Functional Life. You are why I'm here and I am so very grateful. You're here for a reason. I celebrate your commitment to claiming your youthful energy and stepping into this next phase of life, feeling vibrant, healthy, and powerful. I am so proud of you. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode helped you in any way, Please share it with a friend spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at Betty Murray, PhD. And if you want a chance to share your story with our tribe or find out more about working with my team, you can sign up at chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. Again, that's chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. See you next week. Bye bye.